Good morning. Hope everybody's well today. I want to start out with a little object lesson. Can you guess whose baseball this is? Very good. It's mine. It's my baseball. Okay, question number two. Do you have any idea whose signatures are on this ball? The answer is no. My kids are in the room, so they actually do know, but don't tell anybody. On this ball, well, let me tell you a little bit about the ball. This ball is uh, the last ball that I pitched in high school, very last pitch I ever made. And so I immediately grabbed the ball, had all my teammates sign the ball. So there are 21 signatures on here. My brother's is on here too in a different colored ink because he wasn't there that day. So he messed the ball up. But this is my ball. Um, I love this ball. I mean, it's, it's a treasure to me. It's priceless. Some of the guys this week said, would you take, you know, that ball and the others that you have, would you throw them out in the crowd? No. No, I won't throw the ball in the crowd because this is my baseball. It has very special meaning to me. It's a treasure to me. It has great, great value. In fact, it's not the only ball I brought. I brought, also I brought a ball that's, uh, this is a ball that they gave to me when I was 12. Uh, This was for, I made the all-star team. Yeah. I still got it. It goes everywhere that I go. Um, I got a couple other balls. This ball is, um, this is the very first win I ever had in high school. Um, got some stats on there you don't care about as well. And then this is my one hitter. This is a tough crowd. I pitched a one hitter, people. All right. So, the team I pitched against really wasn't that good, to be honest. So, but it counts. Those are very valuable to me. Today, we're going to finish up a series. I I, I want to transition you into what we're going to talk about today through that object lesson called You'll Be Glad You Did. And the question that we posed at the beginning of this series was this. How am I leveraging my time, skills, and resources for maximum kingdom impact? We've challenged you to think about what you could do here on the weekend with what we do for services. We challenged you last week to take your skills, the vocation that you have, and to do something with it. This week, we're going to challenge you with your resources. And some of those resources are treasures to you. In fact, the verses we're going to talk about today, the treasure in which Jesus was talking about, was money, finances. I always notice that when pastors begin to bring up the subject of money, people get a little bit antsy. Some get frustrated. You may even be mad. I don't know. I mean, we could talk about all kinds of stuff, right? We could talk about the grossest of sin, probably. Immorality. We could talk about divorce, remarriage. We could talk about parenting. We could talk about hundreds of things. But when you bring up the subject of finances... People are like, uh huh, that's why they have us here. They want to get our money. So, what I want to do today is I want to show you how we can leverage those resources 
especially your money, but not just your money, vacation time, your family, your job, everything that you have for the kingdom of God. Because understand, that's why it was given to you and to me. People get frustrated, they get mad because they literally think that the money they've been given, the finances they've been given is theirs, right? You you can say it like this, it's mine. I own it, I earned it, it's mine. Why would any, well, here's what I want you to know. Everything is God's. That, that, that was supposed to be a lot bigger amen than what just happened. Because it's true. It's all his. You say, well, you don't know how hard I worked or the education that I got or the training and all the things that I put in to get to where I am today. And while I agree with that, and, and, and let me just say congratulations, here's what I want you to know. He gave you the energy and the mind to be able to do it. Because there's a lot of people who can't do what you're doing in the place that you're doing it. Everything is our God's. We are stewards of what he's given to us, and that's pretty much it. All this is on loan to us. We're the steward to what God has entrusted to us, and we live in the country that is the richest in the world. I know we don't think that. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning. We're going to look at just three verses real quick today. Three verses that Jesus, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he had some things to say about money. Now, he's going to preach the greatest sermon ever. It's going to be three chapters long in our scripture. And right in the dead center, he brings up this issue of what God has given us we're to use for him. Okay? So let's look at it together. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 19. Jesus says in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus packs a punch right in the middle of everybody who's, who's listening that day. And for us today, as we read through the Sermon on the Mount and are wooed and love it, he throws right in the middle, here's going to be your hold up. This is going to be a big, big thing in your life. And you're not going to see it correctly, and you're actually going to have uh, the tendency to do opposite of what you should. To behave opposite from what was intended. So let's just start today by doing this. Let's define when Jesus says treasure here in, in, in verse 19 and in verse 20, what exactly is a treasure? So I'll look it up on Webster because that's the easiest place to find a good definition uh, that's succinct. So here's a couple of the ways that we could describe, excuse me, describe treasure. Treasure is a very valuable item or possession. It also means to value highly. Here's Here's something else that it means. It means to keep carefully. They've been everywhere I've been. You understand? I mean, when you treasure something, when there's something in your life that's like priceless, something that no way am I throwing these out in the audience. I might not get them back. When there's something that you treasure, 
it is almost impossible for you to give it up, right? Like it's going to take a lot. Treasures, though, are not just possessions, even though it's a good way to describe treasures, and that's the way we may think of it. But how about this? Your family. We could tell you the missionaries and the people who've lost loved ones and said, better to lose my life than for others to go to hell. Your family. Your family memories. Any possession. How about this one? Vacation time. Tom, you don't understand. I only get three weeks. Two weeks is all I get. I mean, I need to, you know, it's for me. How about this one? Time in general, talent, skills, passions, anything that you see as valuable or has value, even only if it's to you alone that you see it. Specifically, though, here, Jesus is talking about money. And so one of the things we want to do today is, is encourage you by talking about three different questions that we are thinking you might have. The first question is this. If you look at those scriptures, those three, Jesus is teaching us this. The question has to be, what is Jesus teaching us here? I mean, what does this mean? I mean, I'm reading it, and it looks like, you know, one says, and then the other is, is contrasted. And, but what does that mean? What is he saying to us here? Jesus first says this. There is something that is not good for you. There is something that is not best for you. And there's something that's not wise for you. And here's what it is. Verse 19. Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Jesus goes right to the point, And he says, here's what I don't want you to do. Do not store treasures on earth. He doesn't say do not store treasures. He says don't store treasures on earth. This word store up if you will, or to, to lay up is a word that literally means to stack on top of each other and to continue stacking. Stack, 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 stack. I got to have all, you know, Pastor Bob Pittman, uh, who was my pastor back in the early 2000s, he had a quote we're going to throw up on the screen for you. Here's the way he said it. I hope it translates into cultures. I hope we jump cultures here. Get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. That's like the American dream right there, isn't it? Listen, get everything you can get, put it all somewhere nobody else can see it or have it, and then keep it, and keep on keeping it. That's what we say. That's how we know if we've been successful or not. But Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. The word do not here, the last time I preached, we actually talked about this as well. Um, the word do not is a strong, emphatic word. It's one word. It's the word may, and it literally means don't ever, 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 never, 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 ever. This is never permitted. Never do this. This is Jesus saying this. Let's just think about this for a second. This is the God of the universe who looks at us and says, do not ever, 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 ever stack up hoard, amass treasures on earth. It's difficult for us because it's opposite of our culture. It's never, ever permitted. And something else that I noticed in this verse too, and also in verse 20, the word store up and the word treasure, in the original language, listen to this, is the same word. In fact, it can be translated like this. Never treasure your treasures on earth. 
Like he's trying to emphasize to us, here's what happens. You've got these treasures and you treasure them. Those things that you highly value, you're going to highly value them too much. You're going to see them as you. They're going to become your identity. Don't ever do that. Don't ever treasure your treasures on the earth. Why? Because they will not last. They won't last. But look at what Jesus said would be wise, what would be best for us. Here's what he said in verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither rust nor moth, excuse me, neither moth nor rust destroys, or where thieves do not break in or steal. Contrasting with the previous verse. Here's what he said. Storing up treasures, listen close, okay, is good. He didn't say don't store up treasures. He said store up treasures. Listen to this. He didn't even say don't do it for you. He said don't do it for you on earth. He said store up as much treasure as you want in heaven. Don't store it up on the earth. Is this making sense? Jesus said it's even okay for you to store it up for you in heaven. That's what he said. You know, about 15% of everything that Jesus said in the scripture in the gospels, about 15% is money. That's what Randy Alcorn says. In fact, he says that if you put heaven and hell and everything Jesus said about the two combined, they still don't equal 15%. Like Jesus talked about this more. Why do you think he would do that? Because that's our holdup. That's our holdup. It's our excuse for why so many times we won't even live for God. It's going to be the thing that will hold you back from being the person you want to be. Listen, it'll even make you not want to go to heaven. Ask the rich young ruler. Money's a big deal to us. It's a huge barrier in our spiritual life. And Jesus was making it clear here, if you want what's best for you, don't stack it up on earth. But what you do have, you can stack up in heaven. Man, y'all quiet. This must be, must be the mad group. Just kidding. All right, let me give you a couple of places in the Scripture where Jesus talks specifically about this. But before I do, Randy in his book said this. And by the way, the books are going to be for sale outside uh, at, the, at the, the book table uh, immediately after this. There's a lot of stuff in there that you need to read. But he says in the Treasure Principle, he says... Um, the reason that Jesus placed so much emphasis on money and possessions was this. Here's what he said. It's because there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. We may try to divorce our faith and our finances, but God sees them as inseparable. God sees them as inseparable. And you can see it all throughout the New Testament. In fact, in Luke chapter 3, when John the Baptist is asked what it means to bear the fruit of righteousness, what it means to look like a person who's actually a saved person, here's how he answered it. John the Baptist said, Share your clothes with the poor, tax collectors shouldn't cheat and steal, and soldiers should be content with their salaries. The awesome thing about that is none of them asked a question about money or possessions. Yet how he answered it was, You want to know how you are a follower of Jesus? Watch what you do and how you complain and how you like money. 
In Luke chapter 19, when Jesus heard that Zacchaeus was going to give all of the money back to the people and actually give more than he had stolen from them, Jesus' response was this, Today salvation has come to this house. Like he equated, he said, man, a guy who would do something like that, something's got to be different in his life. In Acts chapter 2, the new believers gave what they had to each other. They, somebody had need, they made sure the need was met. In Acts chapter 19, people who were God-haters, occultists, if you will, burned their magic books, the things that were possessions to them, proving that they had an authentic conversion. In Mark chapter 12, the widow and, her, and, and the mite, right? She gave everything that she had all over the New Testament. What we see is people who are Christians who give up for themselves what they could keep for themselves and stack and amass and pile up that the true Christianity came out and how they didn't see their possession as something that was actually for them, but it was something to be used for them, for God, by them for God. So why do we have a tendency to store it up on earth? Well, first thing is I think we just don't understand. Like we don't know what the scripture says. Jesus is very clear here when he says, do not do this, but do this. Maybe we just don't understand that. But maybe it's something greater. Maybe we have trouble trusting God. Maybe we amass because that gives us a firm foundation of trust where trusting God is, for some of us, more difficult. My wife and I, we, uh, we have five kids, and one just moved away, and another one is about to move away too. But I don't know if any time that they wondered how we were going to take care of them. I don't think they ever said where... Why don't I have any shoes? Where? Well, they actually have said this a couple times. Where are the groceries? My oldest son moved to Tennessee. Now we got all kinds of groceries. I don't know what that was about. We've spent so much money over the past few years on everything they needed. And I don't know that we trust God like our own kids have trusted us. I wonder if I'm going to have. I wonder what I'm going to eat. I wonder what I'm going to wear. God said, don't worry about that. In fact, he's going to say it. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. Don't store up for yourselves here acting like you're. Trust him. Trust him. So, where are you storing it? On earth or in heaven? I got a feeling that about... One second into heaven, not even mentioning 10,000 or 10,000s of years, we'll say what we said this week, this month, in our sermon series. You'll be glad you did. I promise you, if you store it in heaven, you'll be glad you did. You'll be so glad you did. The people that'll be there, the people you'll talk to, and you'll say, you know what? Even this will burn. They can throw it in the casket with me, but it won't help. It's going to stay there. So where are you storing it? Question number two has got to be this. If, if first we want to know why, excuse me, what Jesus is teaching. That's what he's teaching, do not and do. The second thing is why is he teaching this? In other words, what's the big deal for me, Tom? Why is Jesus teaching that? For, for what purpose? Well, what Jesus knew is that if we treasured things here on this earth and if we stored them here on the earth, it would turn out useless for us. It'd kind of be like running on a treadmill, right? It's good for our health, but the truth is, is we get nowhere. 
I mean, if you're wanting to get to Walmart and you get on your treadmill, you're going to be in the same place you started. It's useless. It means nothing. So we're going to amass all this stuff, and we're going to have all these possessions, and we're even going to treasure them, and in the end, they're not going to help. We're going to be very glad, and our families are going to be going, thanks for the inheritance and all that, which is not bad, but we're not taking any of it with us. So why is he teaching this? Whatever is still here is, will someday be non-existent, but what is stored in heaven will be there forever. I want you to think of it like this. And Mickey, you're right here, so I'll just use you as an example. Mickey's an awesome financial analyst kind of guy. He knows the ins and outs. He's got all this. If you get any business, you know, after this. Anyway. But nobody's better than Jesus at financial forecasting. If your stockbroker, if your financial analyst called you and said, here's what I want you to do, this is a surefire thing, you won't lose a dime, and you're going to make hundreds of percent on whatever you put in, guess what you'd do? You'd go switch it immediately, and you'd go, oh my goodness, well, here's the deal. Jesus has already given us that. He said, if you do this, there will be nothing. (laughs) If you do this, oh my goodness. But we don't get that, do we? We don't understand that well, but it's true. Jesus said this, storing up treasures on earth, it's not wise. It's where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but storing in heaven, none of that happens. The word rust here is a word that literally means to eat. The word destroy is a word that means to consume or to cause to disappear. He's giving us pictures here of exactly what happens with the thing that we amass here. Things that we don't take care of, guess what happens to them? They disintegrate. In fact, if you look on this baseball, which I'm sure there will be a long line after the service to come up here and check out my baseball. But if you look on the ball, listen, there are things you won't even be able to read. Why? Because the ink's already gone. The fire hasn't consumed it yet. I haven't passed away. They're still in my possession, but part of them is gone. Because things on the earth deteriorate. Things on the earth rust and animals eat. They're consumed and they're gone. And if they don't, somebody will steal them. And when you die, guess what? You won't own it anymore. Somebody else will have it and they'll be glad they do. Because that's how our things on the earth are. This is a temporary house we live in. This is a, these, all these things are temporary, but what's in heaven is not temporary. And, you know, my grandmother, she, she passed away at 101, 102. I forget exactly how old she was. But let me tell you what we didn't do. We didn't pray for God to keep her here. Why? There was something better. Man, we love this earth so much. And that's never what Jesus intended For us, send it on ahead. Store it on earth, you'll lose it. Store it in heaven, you will send it ahead. Randy Alcorn also makes this statement in his book. He said, when Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth, listen to this. This is is awesome. It's not because wealth might be lost. It's because wealth will always be lost. Either it leaves us while while we live or we leave it when we die. No exceptions. Man, that's great. Awesome that you have it. I love entertainment myself. But just know, storing, stacking, amassing, hoarding. Jesus said, 
it's all going to go. And it won't matter. He talks about in his book, too, he said he's never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Me either. I've sat by quite a few dying people in their beds, in their hospitals, or in their homes in the last 15 years. And can I say that not one time do they ever talk about how much money they made or what they had. Never. You know why? Because it's just not important. That's not what makes them. So why is Jesus teaching us this? Because he wants us to be good stewards of what he's given us. And he doesn't want it to be wasted. He wants us to use it for the purpose that he gave it to us. You know, a few years ago, I don't know if, I think Clay's in the service here somewhere. Clay is, uh, he's my third child. And uh, Macy's here too. She'll get mad if I don't say her name. Clay is, uh, he was our giver. I say was because in the past few years it's changed a little bit, but not much. <clears throat> Just being honest. I remember when Clay was little, he would take all of his money that he got for his birthday and he would actually put it away and he would give it to his brothers who had birthdays a month after him, his other two brothers. And one day I was, I was going to preach a sermon down in Florida and it was on giving and money. And so on the way there, Clay was in the passenger seat and I just asked him one day, I said, why do you think people, oh, excuse me, why do you think God gives us more money than we need? And here's what he said. To give it to other people. And you know what? Out of the mouth of an eight-year-old, he's right. The reason we have more than we need is to give it to eternal purposes. For people who need it or for places that need it or for programs, for things that need for people who don't know God. It's not for us to use for our own device. It is for us to use for His. It's what God had planned before the foundation of the earth. And then in verse 21, He says this. He gives us this clear insight by saying, you need to understand this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, just stick with me here for a second, okay? Let's just walk through this slowly. It's a short sentence, but it's packed. For where your treasure is presently, your heart will be in the future. You say, Tom, I'm going to get to the place where I understand that, and then when I feel right and everything's in line, then I'm... But that's not what it says. It doesn't say where your heart is, your possessions your treasure will be it says wherever you put your treasure that's where your heart's going to go you say tom how do you know that's what it says if you wait you will never feel it you will never get to the place i will never get to the place where i can give my heart will follow what I give too. I buy a boat, I go out to Lake Mead, guess what? I'm going to be thinking about it a lot. I'll probably have to buy a place out there too because I'll be there from like Friday to Monday. You know why? Because I put my investment in that. I've, I've watched it, I've seen it. We think about our kids a lot. You know why? We bought a lot of groceries and shoes and all kinds of stuff over the years. That's why. We've invested a lot of time and energy and money. And that's what we all do. You invest, the Bible says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he breaks it down from 19 and 20 to 21. He's plural 
you, like you, the church, or you, the people who are Christian, or just you human beings. But in verse 21, he says, you, singular, you, and you, and you. You want to know where your heart will be? Wherever your treasure is. Your heart is going to follow your hand. Now understand that I realize that some of you are very hesitant right now. You're thinking, oh my goodness, here we go again. But Jesus dispels all this in verse 25 when he says these words of the same chapter. Do not worry about your life. You know what? Because what Jesus saw in that day and what we see today is still the same. When people begin to look at these words that say, do not do this, but do this, we start to, in our minds, calculate what that's going to look like. And Jesus said, listen, stop doing that. Don't worry about what you're going to do. I will supply every need that you have. Don't worry about it. Can I just say this? Our kids believe that we're going to supply the need. Why is it difficult for us to know that our Father is going to supply the need as well? We have more that we need. Randy goes on in the book. I don't have a, a, a screenshot for this, but he, he, here's what he says. Why do so many Christians dread leaving this world? Listen close. It's because they've stored up their treasures here on earth and not in heaven. This means the closer a person gets to death, the closer they get to losing their treasures. You know why you don't want to leave? Because this is where everything is. Why we don't want to leave is because this is the great place, but it's not the great place. It's an awesome place. It's where our family is, and I get that. I understand that. I don't, listen, I put my son on a plane to go to Tennessee, and I couldn't stop crying. I'm a 45-year-old man. He was just going to live somewhere different. We love people. We love this place. But understand that heaven and eternity is longer. And that should be an encouragement to us, not a diversion. Our natural tendency is to hoard and amass. But I know this. As a pastoral staff, we've prayed this week, and we've asked God, as, they, as the people hear this, would the people hear this in the right way? Let the Holy Spirit of God talk to them and basically finish with this question. I want you to answer or ask this question. How can I invest in eternity now? You say, Tom, if all this is true, and it is, this is what Jesus said about the believer, about the follower of Jesus Christ. If I'm not supposed to do this, and this is what it's supposed to look like, and all throughout the scripture, money is tied to how we react and act toward the kingdom of God. What do I do now to invest in the future? Well, I'm so glad you ask. I want you to move from where you are to where you need to be, just like I want to move from where I am to where I need to be too in the areas of not just money, but vacation time. Your home, your vehicle, your job, your talent, your skill, your time, your passions, and yes, your resources. Would you give your resources? Would you give your possessions? Would you give your life so that others could have the communities, could have the, the, the life that God has intended for them to have? We were asking you here to serve at Hope. Two weeks ago, we asked you to serve on the weekends. Many of you answered that call. We're asked, last week, we asked you to, to, to give us your vocation, your passion. We're going to put you in line with what that is going to look like in November when it comes to, well, before then too, but especially when we get to November and hope for the world. But today what I'm asking you to do is, would you give your resources, not just your money, but the time that you have, all the things that you, that you hold as treasures, would you give that to God? Would you let him use it? He can use it in ways that you have no 
idea. Would you send your treasures ahead to heaven and amass and stack and store up there and not here? Here's what I found. People who don't have much, listen close, are looking forward to heaven. I didn't say they're looking forward to death. I said they're looking forward to a place that they know is real and right. The truth is, it's all about your heart. I got got a story for you. And I'm going to try to wrap it up with what can you do. I want to give you one practical thing you can do today. A few years ago, um, I went on a a short-term mission trip with 12 college students to a, a, a country that's a closed country. Uh, where it's actually illegal to be a Christian. And um, we were working on a college campus, and we'd been there for six or seven days, and we had eaten the local food, and, and the local food is, is, is good. It's, you know, it's different from what we have, but it's not bad, and the kids enjoyed it. But that day, they said, Pastor Tom, could we, is it possible that we could get some Mickey D's? Just saying. I saw one here. I said, yep, I know exactly where it is. We head out of the gate of the, of the, of the college. We take a right. We walk for about five, six, seven blocks. And then I, I hear the Israelites murmuring behind me. I'm Moses leading them out of, you know, thinking we're going to the promised land. I was just wandering, just like him. We're at this huge intersection. And at this intersection, there's at least six lanes one way. Okay, so picture it, 12 lanes all the way across, which equals, in this country, probably about 30 lanes across. But 12 lanes and 12 lanes, you cannot imagine the number of people or cars or, 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 or other vehicles that are in this intersection. And for some reason, I just yell out and raising my hand, does anybody here speak English? Because we didn't know the language. And we sure didn't know how to say McDonald's in that language. One 19-year-old boy came over to me and he said, I do. I said, awesome. I got one question for you. Where's McDonald's? That's it. It was really bad. I wasn't thinking about the gospel or anything like that at the time. I just really had a Big Mac on my mind. He said, oh, yeah, I know exactly where it is. He said, it's actually the direction you just came from. You're going the wrong way. And I was like, great. It ended up being about two blocks to the left instead of six blocks to the right. All right. So we start walking. He goes, I'll show you. I said, no, you don't have to. He goes, no, I want to show you. So I had his name. I had his number. I invited him the next day to come to, a, to something that we were actually getting together as a, as a mission team that he could come to and, and that we could have a, a longer sitting than just five or ten minutes. And it was actually a whole day thing. And, and when we got there the next morning at the bus stop, he, him and his two friends were the only people that even showed. We had invited 100 people probably. Two people, excuse me, three people showed up that day. When I saw that, I kind of figured God was up to something. He took us everywhere, man. He took us to the museum. He took us to the shopping places. We talked all day. We talked about God a lot, of which he had never been taught. He didn't, he'd never heard Jesus' name. He didn't believe any of it. He said, you know, I've always been taught from the time I was little there, that there is no God. That's the base from which we were starting. We had an awesome day together. He took me to, to, to eat. It was, it was amazing. We go that night. It's about 7 or 8 o'clock at night. We go down the subway. We're going to go back to our hotel. He's going to go back home. And I look, and he's following us down the stairs, which he should not have been. He said, I want to make sure you get on the right train and turn, come to find out I didn't get on the right train. I was at, on the wrong side, so he pushed me on the other side with the kids, and we couldn't read it. Anyway, the last time I saw him, I can't tell you his name. The last time I saw him, the doors closed. 
He said, I'll think about what you said, but I don't believe it. I respect you, but I don't believe that. The doors closed, we waved by, and it was, it was a little bit sad, to be honest, because I thought I'll never see him again. Like, we had the opportunity to share, but I'll never see him again. I gave his number to another friend of mine who's there working, undercover, if you will. Six, eight, nine months later, I get an email from the boy who took me around the city all day, the local. And he tells me how he gave his life to Christ. And he tells me a lot of other stuff. Then I find out that not only did he give his life to Christ, but he's actually working with our team there that we work with as an insider. As somebody who is a, a local, if you will, a national, who's now making disciples. And you say, Tom, why, why are you telling me that story? Here's why. Because spending $2,500 for one guy seems really dumb. Because that's all that happened that week. But here's what I know. We didn't just reach him. It was $2,500 times 13 people. You do the math. Thousands of dollars to see. But here's what I know. Today, as he's being used, he's seen multiple people come to Christ. And not just that. Churches have been started, even on that campus that he went to, because of that. Here's what I want to say to you. Is it going to cost a lot? It might. Is it going to cost you everything? For some people it will. Jim Elliott was a missionary to a South American country, and he was there less than one month. They killed him days after he arrived. But they found this in his journal. It's become one of the most famous quotes of missionaries anywhere. Jim Elliott wrote, He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And you know what Jim did? He just rewrote what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Don't store up here. So here's what we want to do today. We want to leave you today. You know, these are going to go. But what we do for God is not going to go. And so what we wanted to do today was something a little bit different. As you leave today in both lobbies, we're going to have a table. And that table is going to have passport applications on them. That's right. Passport applications. The only reason to have a passport is if you plan on getting on a plane and going to another country. All right? So here's what we want you to do. November's coming up. We're, we're, we usually have five, six mission trips per year. This Next year or the year after that, we're going to be looking at 15, 20 different trips. The same people can't go on all of them. We're all here together. We want you to be a part of it. I challenge you. I beg you. Just be ready. One of the ways you can be ready is grab that application, fill it out. Don't turn it back into us. You have to actually turn it back into the government, all right? So take it home with you. Fill it out. But here's what's going to happen. In November, when we get, give you notice of where we're going, listen, we're already going to have a plan. We just want you to be ready to have the plan with us. Does that make sense? Listen, I want to challenge us. Give your resources. That may be one of them. But that's one of a hundred things you could do. Are you trusting God with your money? With your time? With your energy? With your resources? With your skills? 
Are you trusting him today? Lord, thank you for your grace, your mercy to us. God, as we think about somebody gave up some resources so that we